0: Hi, Alex. Hi, Nancy. So good to see you both.
1: Hi. Great to see you.
0: I am so excited because this is our first ever co-hosted crossover episode with our very own clean beauty school show, which everyone should obviously subscribe to. And to kick it off today, we're going to talk about the future of beauty. And before we do that, let's hear nancy about your past specifically your journey into the beauty space
1: yeah absolutely i'm excited to share something that a lot of people don't know about me is that i actually didn't start my career in beauty i started my career in finance back in 2007 straight out of university i went to the university of virginia and i took a full-time job in the commodities business at goldman sachs and if you can recall 2007, 2008 was a tumultuous time for the finance industry. It was the start of a financial crisis. It was just a crazy place to be starting a career. And, you know, several months into the job, I realized that I wasn't really passionate about the work that I was doing, but I came out of school with a lot of college loans and I had rent to pay. So I just, you know, kind of stuck it out like a lot of um, my other friends who were doing similar jobs were. And- Unfortunately, in 2010, I lost my mom suddenly and it was the first time that I had lost someone so close to me. And for the first time, I realized that, you know, life could be short and we really owe it to ourselves to pursue our passion and, you know, make the most of the time that we have here. And in a lot of ways, I felt like I was working without passion i was spending so much of my time doing something that i didn't necessarily love and so i i went on a soul searching journey to kind of figure out what i loved because i didn't know at the time and during that soul searching journey i thought back to the memories that i had with my mom my mom was a doctor and a chemist and because of her chemistry background she knew a lot about how to emulsify Oil and water and create textures. And growing up, we would go to our local health food store and buy all sorts of oils, butters, extracts, and take them home and literally transform them into these very clean but functional beauty products. And during the time that I was having that soul searching moment back in 2010, I thought back to how much I loved experimenting with ingredients and just creating products. And at the same time, I was starting to see the shift that was happening in the beauty space with more consumers becoming a lot more conscious about the types of ingredients that they were putting on their hair, skin and body, but also how the packaging of those products was impacting the environment. And so that really became my stepping out point and inspiration for launching Briogeo, which is a clean, high-performance hair care product line for all hair, textures and types.
0: I love it. We have very similar backgrounds. So that I was probably, I was a decade ahead of you and, and you got there a lot quicker than I did on the journey. It took me 10 years. You got there faster. You've mentioned the word clean and clean and clean in the context of beauty can be nebulous. And I'm curious, what specifically does this clean mean to you? And what made you realize that the quote unquote clean space was your space for you and your brand?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question because as I'm sure you know, the word clean is not, you know, FDA regulated and there's so many interpretations of what clean means. But when I was formulating for Briogeo for the first time, pretty much a decade ago, So much of what I wanted to do was to really kind of leverage the heritage of what me and my mom were doing in the kitchen, which was using these very pure, simple, raw ingredients and basically transforming them into these effective formulas. But I also knew that if I was going to start a brand, you know, the formulas had to be, you know, shelf stable and they had to have really good efficacy, especially if I wanted to sell my products within the prestige market. And because I wasn't a chemist, background the way that my mom was, I ended up hiring a chemist to help me formulate. And during that time of thinking about the formulations, I also had to define, okay, well, what does clean mean for Briogio? So I really challenged my chemist to help me identify, you know, what were the top most commonly used ingredients in hair care that had either been linked to skin, scalp, health. Or environmental concerns. And so those six kind of commonly used ingredients that my chemist came back with were things like sulfates and silicones, parabens, phthalates, DEA, and synthetic dye. So that became our six free methodology, which really kind of sums up how Briogio interprets clean as it relates to hair care specifically.
2: You know, you mentioned sustainability in your answer earlier, and that is something that we care so much about at Green and in our beauty point of view. So I'm always so curious about the future of sustainability in in the industry. In what ways would you like to see sustainability become a bigger part of the industry writ large? And, you know, what innovations are you excited about? Yeah, it's a really great question. Well, I think that there's been a lot
1: of progress in beauty brands' commitment to sustainability over the past few years. And to be quite frank, I think so much of that progress has actually been spurred by retailers' involvement in the mission. So for example, at Ulta Beauty, they have their conscious beauty program, which really kind of sets out a criteria by which you know brands are eligible to be Um, part of that program. And I think by retailers um, kind of jumping on board and setting those expectations around what sustainability means, it's really helping to, I think, further the focus on how brands are starting to, you know, establish their own um, commitments. So I think that's been a really, you know, kind of powerful shift that's happened recently. But I also think that, In terms of change and opportunity, I think a lot of brands inherently are focused on, okay, how do I make my packaging more sustainable? And I think that's incredibly important. But I do think that sustainability goes beyond just packaging. I think it's really taking the time to make sure that you're educating your consumers on the various ways to recycle components because there are different levels of how certain resins can get recycled and you've got to make sure that you're doing the right way to become impactful. So that's one of the things that we've done at Briogeo is we actually have published publicly, both on our website and social media, our recycling guides. But then I think also too, part of it is like really putting your money where your mouth is in terms of identifying organizations that have really strong commitments to sustainability or investments in wind power, solar power, that you can partner up with, bring visibility to, potentially even financially support. So that's really kind of where I'd like to see things shift. Is obviously focusing on packaging is really important, but there's still so
2: many things that I think beauty brands can do beyond just that. Sure, you know the the clean and sustainable beauty space has come such a long way. It is certainly not a niche market anymore. However, you know, in order for it to grow and even involve more people into the fold, you know, you have to you have to reach out and you have to engage the community and you have to engage the beauty audience out there. You know, so I'm curious, how can the beauty industry be better about reaching out to, to the community and how can the beauty industry be better about making sure that all voices are heard?
1: Yeah, it's a really great question. And, you know, for us at Briogeo, social listening is something that we do. And we noticed that over time, we were getting lots of questions around like, well, what parts of the bottle are recyclable? Like, can I really put the sprayer in the recycling bin or does that require something else? So I think, you know, kind of doing the work to make things easy and digestible and to educate is really important. But I think also coming up with creative ways by which your community can involve themselves in your sustainability practices is also really uh, important. So an example of that is last year we chose to uh, partner with a company that allows clients who are shopping with Briocheo to actually offset their purchase in terms of carbon neutrality and actually kind of choose where that investment of offset, what kind of projects that goes into. So finding unique ways to actually bring the community in and kind of participate and be kind of an active just voice in some of those decisions, I think, you know, really creates an opportunity to engage on sustainability in a much deeper way.
0: In terms of sustainability, what's so exciting to us is it's top of mind for everyone, you know, how, how, can it not? And ultimately I think change comes from the bottom up and consumers vote with their dollars and, and those dollars are powerful. And, and companies take notice whether they're large or small and, and, and they react, and I think what we're seeing is more and more companies are taking notice of that demand and making changes that are better for the planet. With that said, we're mind, buddy green one word not three it's all connected and so environmental impact the environment in general is directly related to our health and well-being and on this show on the my body green podcast we spend a lot of time talking about our health and well-being and we sometimes talk about beauty but you know it's all connected so i, I want to get your opinion here i have to ask how does beauty impact our health and well-being or our health and well-being impact beauty?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, to answer the the former, you know, I personally, my mantra is that, you know, so much of feeling beautiful really comes on the inside. It's the work that we do on ourselves on a regular basis. It's how we talk to ourselves, how we eat, how we prioritize our self-care You know, so much of those practices become the foundation for building, you know, inner confidence and that inner confidence really resonates. And when you're confident, chances are you're more happy. And when you're more happy, you get more pleasure out of the things that you're doing every day. So therefore, you do a better job at them, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's how you interact with the world. So I think all of those things are very much intertwined. And, you know, beauty, too, is very much a mindset. While I do love my beauty products, so much of it is, is again, really investing in yourself and, you know, investing towards being the best version of yourself.
0: I love that. And something I know, Alex, you talk about on Clean Beauty School all the time, the skin microbiome, Mm -hmm. you know, so many of our listeners are very excited about the microbiome. And science has come so far, and you know we're focused on our gut health. But hey, wait! Our skin microbiome actually is much bigger than our gut microbiome, and they are interconnected. And so, I think that you know, as we think about the relationship and why what you put on your body on your dermis is important, come back to the microbiome.
1: Completely, absolutely, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big uh, believer in you know gut health and mental health. Long story short, but I, a couple of years ago, did some real big investment in my just understanding more about my body and, you know, doing some tests on, you know, gut inflammation and understanding those markers. And for the first time, I realized that I had, you know, a a pretty significant inflammatory response to dairy and a few other foods. And when I became aware of that and started cutting it from my diet, I noticed profound changes both mentally and physically. And so that's where I kind of go back to really kind of investing the time to really understand yourself and, you know, the things that your body needs and perhaps doesn't need and and making sure that you're creating the discipline around that.
0: I I love that. And I I also think, you know, it speaks to your bigger story about taking lessons from your grandmother Mm -hmm. and the simplicity, you know, if you think about diet, it's about going back to the basics and eating real foods, not processed foods. And you think about beauty and the parallels, you know, labels that are cleaner labels, where their ingredients you recognize and, you know, going back to your grandma, you were, you know, in the kitchen, making, making products with their using them in your own brand and formulas, pulling whatever you could out of the cabinets. And it, it's kind of really cool because You've got your you know your classic tried and true ingredients married with with innovation. And so, how do you find that balance between using you know the tried and true and at the same time pushing for innovative, pushing pushing things forward in a way that really hasn't been done before?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, I think the response has many different answers, but I can kind of give you one example where, you know, back in 2017, we really revolutionized innovation within scalp care. So we were really the first, one of the first brands within prestige to offer a full assortment of premium clean scalp care products. But from an innovation perspective, we actually leveraged an ingredient that was really popular in skincare at the time, which was charcoal. And a lot of brands were using charcoal in the face mask as a way to kind of extract deep rooted impurities and when you think about the anatomy of the scalp it's very similar to the anatomy of the skin in terms of you know the fact that it has pores and those pores can kind of you know hold bacteria and gunk and stuff like that over time but even more so your scalp is in a lot of ways more susceptible to build up than your face is one of the reasons being that typically you're washing your face once or twice a day a lot of people don't wash their scalp every day or their hair every day. Also, you're putting a lot of product, whether it's dry shampoo or serums on your hair, on your scalp, you're working out, et cetera. So when you think about the potential for your scalp to really build up a lot of these impurities and the fact that historically we never really treated our scalp the same way that we treated their skin, you know, that can obviously be problematic for a lot of people. So We were innovative in that we took a pretty simple ingredient, charcoal, but really kind of revolutionized it in a category that hadn't been, you know, done before. So really kind of linking the connection between skincare and scalp care and really thinking about the skin on your scalp as the same on your face and making the connection and the education between, you know, the benefits of detoxification and how that supports overall hair health I think was a very innovative thing that we were doing at the time and are still doing.
0: So coming back to the larger question, I I think the clean beauty space is filled with excitement. There's so much innovation happening there. I'm curious in terms of product innovation, new ingredients, what are you excited about? What are you watching?
1: Yeah. I mean, there are so many different things that I'm excited about. And when I think about inspiration for for future innovation, it comes from so many different places. It comes from, you know, white space opportunities that exist within hair. It's, you know, perhaps even sometimes leveraging kind of relevant technologies from skincare and making them applicable to hair care. Sometimes it's even looking at the food and beverage space in terms of ingredient trends and you know, letting that kind of inspire some of the things that we're doing. So it really comes from a lot of different places. And, you know, as we've grown the Briogio team over the years, so many more people kind of participate in a lot of our innovation brainstorms. And I really love that. And in a lot of ways, too, our community participates in our innovation brainstorms because we're constantly hearing from the front lines on, you know, the things that our community wants that may not exist or may not exist in a clean format. And so
2: what are some of those? I just have to ask, like, is there an example of somebody jumping in and, and or giving a comment and then it sparked something broader? Yeah. I mean, you
1: know, a lot of like, you know, dry styling sprays, in order to get that like dry finish of a wet spray, you have to use an aerosol because it's the combination of the gases with the wet that kind of Creates more of a dry finish. And that has been a challenging thing, but it's been promising to see a lot of the advancements within more complex componentry that allows you to get kind of the type of product distribution without the use of aerosol gases. So it's not completely there yet because a lot of those technologies still kind of dispense the product in a wet format. So, for example, say you just styled your hair and you have your nice wave look going on and maybe you wanted to add a dry texture spray to it well without having that dry finish it's going to come out wet on your hair and it's basically going to like ruin your style so there still are challenges around certain packaging types that allow you to create a more sustainable application for a styling finished look but there have been a lot of advancements and things on the way that I think are really promising
2: Yeah, that is really interesting. And I know hair care has a very challenging, sustainable packaging. You know, there's a few challenges there that I know that hair care is unique in. And I know that sprays tend to be top of the mind on that. In what ways do you push sustainability forward in packaging in that way? You know, are there innovations on the horizon that you're excited about? I know you just mentioned a few with aerosols.
1: Yeah. So from day one, Briogeo has always used post-consumer resin in all of our shampoo and, and conditioner bottles. And over time, we've actually increased the percent in our bottles as, you know, more kind of advanced technology has allowed the ability to do so in a way that, you know, basically supports the type of packaging aesthetic that you want. So for example, again, PCR Um, is a term that's used. It stands for post-consumer resin. And basically the way that you get that post-consumer resin is, for example, you can take a recycled milk jug and you can grind it down into bits and then use that recycled resin, incorporate it back into a new bottle. But oftentimes during that process, it's not totally a clean process, meaning, you know, the cap to that milk jug may be red. And that gets kind of broken down in the PCR process. And if you have a white bottle, you may have kind of red specks in it or black specks or green specks. And sometimes it's hard to, at least historically, kind of create that uniform aesthetic. Or maybe the bottle's not white. It's kind of grayish because of some of those impurities. And I know that, you know, at least since back in 2013, when we were using PCR, I mean, we used to have specks and discolorations in our bottles over time, but I think the sorting um, and the mechanisms by which that PCR is derived has become a lot more sophisticated, which is great. And so because of that, we're able to kind of use PCR and, and, and more applications. But that's just a little bit of an example of what we're doing and how we've been able to kind of enhance our impact over time as a lot of those technologies have become more sophisticated. So, you know, a big part of this
2: conversation is getting better beauty products into the hands of people, right? And that starts with retailers. I know that your products are available at Ulta Beauty. And so, you know, I'm curious in in working with Ulta Beauty, what makes their approach to clean and sustainable beauty unique to them versus other retailers?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think a few different things. What I really respect about the program is that it's not just about clean, but it's also about sustainability and it's really kind of merging to and prioritizing both. I think historically there was so much emphasis on the clean piece, but the sustainability piece kind of fell by the wayside. And I think in recent time, especially the way that Ulta Beauty has cultivated their program, I think that there is. A, a strong push on on both, which I think is really impactful and significant. I think one of the other things that's so unique about their program is that they're actually getting founders involved and they're getting, you know, the actual owners and operators of the brands a seat at the table to participate in those discussions. So I actually just recently joined the Ulta Beauty Conscious Beauty Advisory Council. And I'm so excited for that program to kick off because I think it's going to create a really awesome forum for brand founders and CEOs of brands that are on a similar mission to really come together and share perspective and ideas in a way that wasn't necessarily as accessible in the past. So I think that kind of inclusive participation of both the brand and the retailer is going to be a really powerful aspect of their program.
0: That's awesome. Rising tide lifts all boats.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) And, And so in closing, I actually have a question for both of you and, you know, we just talked about charcoal and so I'm curious, what's another classic ingredient that you don't think gets enough attention? Alex, I'll start with you.
2: Great question. I mean, I feel like there are so many classic ingredients out there that the clean beauty space really does very well and that I personally use day to day. One ingredient that I will highlight that I am having almost like a little personal renaissance with is rose water. Uh, have started using rose water as a scalp toner and I just will spray it on my scalp. I'll spray it on my face. I'll spray it everywhere. It's just kind of a multi-use DIY. I, you know, I love rose extracts in general, whether that be, you know, like rose fruit extract or a rose oil. And, you know, I just think it's a really beautiful ingredient that it it provides the skin so many antioxidants and, you know, Depending on what extract you get, they have different overall benefits. But, you know, it's, Rose is just kind of this like classic beauty mainstay that I am personally having like a little bit of a renaissance with. And, you know, so I would say that's probably my answer. But, you know, I, in hair care, I always look for something that has shea butter in it. You know, I have really dry hair. I'm I'm always going to look for products that highlight that. And then now that summer's coming up, you got to say aloe. <laughs> I mean, aloe is a great basis for a lot of fabulous products out there. And I I definitely uh, keep that top of mind.
0: I love it. What about you, Nancy?
1: Yeah, it's so funny. The ingredient I was going to pick is also like a water ingredient. I mean, that's actually rice water. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize, but like, you know, one of the foundations for healthy, strong hair is making sure that you have the right protein and, and moisture balance. And, you know, oftentimes finding moisturizers is pretty obvious. You know, you can pick your favorite oil and or conditioner and, and that's going to give you some, you know, hydrating, moisturizing properties. But a lot of people don't know how to solve, you know, the protein part of it. And the protein is really kind of the building block for creating resiliency within your hair, which is the ability to resist you know, breakage from pulling or or tugging. And that's where protein comes in. And growing up, one of the remedies that we used at home was a rice water repair treatment, which is pretty simple to make. Basically taking rice and soaking it in water overnight and then straining out that water, putting it in a spray bottle and spraying down your hair. But because of that, you know, balance that's needed because too much protein is not a good thing. Too much moisture is not a good thing. Making sure that you have that right combination is super key. And actually, a few months ago, we launched a uh, Don't Despair Repair rice water protein treatment that has the balance of protein and moisture while leveraging one of these really essential ingredients from my um, childhood. So I would say I'm definitely fangirling over rice water these days.
2: I also feel like rice water is one of those, or it's having a moment because of social media. Like, I feel like I kind of yeah. pop-up on TikTok every now and then. So...
0: You know, I definitely think
2: it's something that's coming into the zeitgeist, but it's also one of those, you know, historically, it has a long, you know, historical context for hair care and hair growth. So it's kind of one of those classic ingredients DIY moments that are, you know, it's really coming back into the zeitgeist. I love that completely.
0: (laughs) And for me... As everyone probably knows, I know Alex, you know, this, I spend more time in the supplement aisle than I do the personal care aisle. So my kind of old standard would be CoQ10, which Mm -hmm. has been around forever. Most people think in the context of heart health, but oh no, CoQ10 is, is about much more than heart health. Not only is it adjustable, you can put it on your body. And so that's mine. Mine's CoQ10. I'm
1: like really curious, Jason, do you feel a difference? when you use certain supplements.
0: Yes, absolutely. Where should I start? I don't know if we have enough, <laughs> yeah. on the show, but no, ab- We might absolutely. need another
2: podcast for that.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And I, I'm a little bit, I, I would say I'm on the, <laughs> a little bit obsessed. I get about 28 vials of blood taken twice a year mm. to make sure everything I'm doing is working with that said too, I take a lot of supplements, but I'm also always trying to pare down. Mm-hmm. I I don't want to get to a place where I'm taking, you know, 25, 30, 40 capsule. It's just like, what am I, I? I don't want that. So I'm always looking at what I'm taking. Do I really need it? Can I pare down? And so, but the answer is yes. When there's a feeling attached to some supplements, there's no. So like, for example, if you're taking a multivitamin, you there's generally not a feeling attached to it. For some, there might be, if they're low on B vitamins, it may feel like a little bit of an energy boost, but generally you're not going to feel anything. But if you're taking, you know, hemp for anxiety, you'll feel something or something for sleep, like our s- sleep product, you'll feel something, but it depends if there's like a feeling or not attached.
2: Yeah. I mean, some supplements you take and, you know, like obviously like beauty supplements, it's like, you're supposed to have an aesthetic difference and some have like mood altering and some are just help you get back to baseline, feel normal. (laughs) I think that's when I noticed that they're working. I'm like, oh, I feel like an actual human being.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. Nancy, thank you so much. We love everything you do. And thanks so much for taking the time. And Alex, we're gonna have to do this again thank you for being my co-host my co-pilot on this one
2: thank you so much nancy it's so good to chat with you about all things beauty i uh like your perspective and all this stuff so thank you so much